Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So did Mitch McConnell step in it? It's an interesting question. I've got the full audio unedited to share with you. The question from Jonathan Swan of Axios to uh, the Senate Minority Leader about Donald Trump. It is remarkable to me that people at, at this stage of the political game can engage in conversations and not understand how the question may come back. Look, sometimes it's surprising. Sometimes it's shocking. Sometimes it's very obvious that the reporter isn't a reporter. The reporter is just nonsense. And that should be said and that should be stated. I want to share this with you. Because you got to be able to answer questions about your own position. The question is, to whom are you answering the question? To somebody who is a, a political enemy, who would never answer the question themselves, who would always tell you, how dare you ask the question? Oh, that's just a gotcha. But somehow, because of your position, possibly the position of the political right, you have to answer the question. And if you don't, well, haha. No. No. But you must take a look at these things honestly and clearly. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, what is going on? 833 got Tony. That's the number. 833-468-8669. And I have some more audio about Pete Buttigieg. Just make you just make you scream out loud. I want it said for the record that I said when he was running for president that he was smarmy. And I was right. I will always be right on that subject. He's a smarmy dude. Now, just because someone's a smarmy dude doesn't mean you don't vote for them. You could still like his policies and think he's a smarmy dude. I like a lot of Donald Trump policies. He rubs me the wrong way. Not every time, from time to time. But that's okay. I'm not looking for a boyfriend or a husband. Not my interest. I'm looking for somebody who will do the job and get the hell out of my way so I can go about my life. These are the things that matter to me. What can I say? I'm a simple man. Mitch McConnell is at an event in D.C. where uh, you, you have uh, Jonathan Swan of Axios asking the questions. Right? So, so uh, he, he, he it's, I, I forget what even the, the original topic w was about. I, I have absolutely no clue what the original topic was about. But it gets to the idea of moral red lines, and Jonathan Swan wants to know where are Mitch McConnell's moral red lines? Moral red lines, where do you draw them? Um... I'm perfectly comfortable with the way I have conducted my political career, and uh, I'd be happy to respond to any specificity you want to apply to the term. What was it? Moral red lines. Moral red line. The question at that moment, if you've had any experience in the political world whatsoever or in being a human being, you know that that question is more than likely to be followed up by because you said 
or because one time you believed there was a moment in your history that you espoused. You knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. It's like when your girlfriend said, so what'd you do last night? She's not asking because she wants to know. She's asking because she knows. So here's the question about your moral red lines. There should be red flags going up freaking everywhere. You know what's coming. Let it continue. Yeah. Well, let me give I'm you... very comfortable with my moral red line. Let me give you one specific. Help me understand this. I watched your speech last year in February on the Senate floor after the second impeachment vote for Donald mm-hmm. Trump. And it was an extraordinary speech. You spoke very powerfully against the most powerful figure in your party, the the president. Um, And you said Donald Trump's actions preceding the January 6th insurrection were a, quote, disgraceful dereliction of duty, and that he was practically and morally responsible, morally responsible, your words, for provoking the events of that day. How do you go from saying that to two weeks later saying you'd absolutely support Donald Trump if he's the Republican nominee in 2020. I can answer this question in two notes. I can answer that. That was a name that tune reference. I can answer that question so quickly and so easily. How did Mitch McConnell not know that that was coming? Let's go, let's take it a step back. How did Mitch McConnell not know that question was going to come when he said the dopey line, morally responsible for January 6th. I swear to you, I don't even know what that means. I do not know what it means to say that he is morally responsible for January 6th. I don't don't know what to do with that information. That was a line utilized in in terms of the, the entirety by Mitch McConnell, I believe, as a mistake. For whatever reason he wanted to make that proclamation, that reason was not based on anything political because it would have been given this way. I'm disgusted by what I saw on January 6th, and I got to tell you, I am disappointed with President Trump, and I'm just going to leave it there. I don't like what I saw. No one should like what they saw. I'm disappointed and I am all about moving on to the next thing. And that's where you leave it. Because you're allowed to be disappointed. If you ask me what I saw, I will tell you exactly what I said on air. That you're going to impeach Trump. What was it? Was it was an obstruction of justice? I forget what they even called it. If you had gone for dereliction of duty... You could have gotten somewhere, but you never would have been able to impeach him. But if you censured him, you would have had it. You would have had it. I did not like the fact that the vice president was under attack and nothing was done. Bothers me because I think there are systems and I think those systems have to matter. They have to matter. That was my take. If you say to me that that somehow does away with the reduction of regulations, that does away 
with a booming economy and a belief in America. That does away with the fighting against those who lied about him for three years. Well then, that's too easy for you and I won't give you that break, so stop. If you ask me about moral red lines, how could I support Donald Trump after saying he was morally wrong? I'll say to you, if I'm Mitch McConnell, remember, I didn't say these words. Mitch McConnell said these words. I'll say to you, I was absolutely disgusted by January 6th. And I have real issues with President Trump on how he handled January 6th. Real issues that I would tell him nose to nose without an ounce of fear. But if you think that I'm going to do away with the four years of success and growth and opportunity and strength and fight against immeasurable odds and with all due respect, Jonathan Swan of Axios, liars like Axios who attacked him 24-7, 365 without a shred of credibility. You didn't have an ounce of truth. The FBI didn't have it. We know about the DNC. We know about what Perkins Coie Law Firm did. We know that Michael Sussman lied to the FBI. We know it. We see it. We have it. You think that does away with the rest? The answer is no. And I could say an event was wrong and terrible and was absolutely bankrupt, that he failed at that moment. And I could see the whole of the man and recognize he's still better for our country than Joe Biden ever has been, is now, or can be. Now I ask you, was that so difficult? Was that so hard? I can answer that question anytime I want. Do you know why? Because I'm not interested if Jonathan Swan is my friend. And I am not interested in proving that I'm the finest gentleman from Kentucky. Mitch McConnell doesn't know how to handle himself when he does this. Well, as a Republican leader of the Senate, it should not be a front-page headline that I will support the Republican nominee for president. After you've said that about him, I think it's astonishing. I I think I have an obligation to support the the nominee of of my party. And um, is there anything I, I could do? I will. That will mean that whoever the nominee is has gone out and earned the nomination. Okay, but Donald Trump earned it last time, and I'm just trying to understand. You know, what you say matters. You're, you're a very important voice in this country. You're the leader of your party, and you seem to hold two concurrent, conflicted no, positions. No, not at all inconsistent. I, not at all inconsistent. I stand by everything I said I, on I understand, but January 6th and everything I said on February the 13th. I understand that, but, but what I want to understand, which I haven't heard you address, is... Because I don't get to pick the Republican nominee for president. They're elected by the Republican voters I, all over the country. I fully understand that, but take Liz Cheney, for example. You she, want to spend some more time on this as well? I, I actually do, because I, I, I actually... <laughs> no, no, I genuinely want to... He is beyond defensive. He's playing defense. And that chuckle, that little bit of nervous laughter that he's got going on right there, that little chuckle that he brings into it. The Republican nominee for president, they're elected by the Republican voters all over the country. I fully understand that, but take Liz Cheney, for example. You want to spend some more time on this as well? I actually do, because I I, I actually... (laughs) No, no, I genuinely want to understand this. I really want to understand how you think about it. That nervous laughter. Right there. 
that is very telling stuff. I mean... <laughs> That's what he sounds like. You didn't answer the question. You danced around and said, why would it be surprising if I supported the Republican? You thought you could just gentleman your way out of the thing. But Jonathan Swan isn't a gentleman. I'm not even saying I'm mad at Jonathan Swan, by the way. You agreed to do the interview and didn't understand that the guy doing the interview is always the enemy. Even in interviews where I like the people, the guy doing the interview is always the enemy. Whether I'm doing, I'm scheduled on Fox this weekend with Mike Emanuel. I think I'm on on Sunday. I'm never mad at Mike Emanuel. The guy's been very, very nice to me. I go into that interview knowing that if I say the wrong thing, I'm screwed. And his job is to capitalize on it. Part of doing these things, doing this punditry work, which, uh, full disclosure, I hate. Oh, I hate punditry. I hate it when I have to do a poll. When I could do like would do it like like when I have to do a panel, I should say. When I could do solo, well then I can actually engage because I don't mind that one on one. But the panel is usually with some guy who gets paid for how much he can scream, and that's just sizzling hot garbage. And I want no, I want no part of that whatsoever. The person doing the interview is the enemy. The person doing the interview is going to hurt you. You must understand this. And that and the way you you handle it is by knowing yourself when you go in. And when you cannot answer the question, when you are not sure, the answer is look, I think you brought up a great point that I had not considered. I'm happy to consider it. Invite me back next week and we'll talk about it. Clearly, cuz sometimes you do get beat. Sometimes you don't have an answer for the question. But the reason Mitch McConnell is forced into this dance is because he wasn't willing to answer the question. Uh. Because Liz Cheney, who has the same view of you as of January 6th, mm -hmm. she said she doesn't want Donald Trump anywhere near the White House and she's going to work to not make that happen because she thinks that there are some things more important than party loyalty. Yeah. Uh, well, you, maybe you ought to be talking to Liz Cheney. Mitch McConnell looks the fool in this interview because it never dawned on him to learn the lessons of Trump and stand strong. And Liz Cheney can argue there are things more important than the party, and I absolutely agree. But wow, did she pick a thing that wasn't. She picked the thing that divided her from the party. And she did it purposefully. Because you could be opposed to what Trump did and still move about going about getting things done for the party, for America. And she decided, nope, I'll take part in what is clearly and obviously political theater and be used in this way. That was her decision. That was her choice. This is what she decided to do. And the question would never have gotten to Liz Cheney if you had just given an answer of strength to begin with. I try not to be angry with Mitch McConnell. This is the guy who kept Merrick Garland off the Supreme Court, and I'm very thankful. But holy cow, did he crap the bed right here. I'm Tony Katz.
So how much does everything cost? Well, I have a list. Everything is on the list. All right, there's like 12 things on the list that you would get at a lo- local supermarket, but I've got it. I've got the price in 2021. Uh, the price uh, of a bag of oranges, three-pound bag of oranges, three pounds. It was four dollars and seventy cents in in twenty twenty one. How much is it today? How much is it today, producer? All right, bag of oranges, I don't, sack I'm not, oranges. I'm not going to be good at this bag game. Of oranges, it's five dollars and forty eight cents. Uh, a a a two-pound package of ground beef was ten dollars and twenty one cents in twenty twenty one, and now two Ooh. pounds of ground beef eleven ninety eleven eighty two. Hey. 1182 right there is where it's at. Uh the margarine, uh the, the land of lakes. As the they got the they got the margarine. And I don't eat margarine, I only eat butter. 281, 281 for a 15 ounce package. How much is it now? 350. 317. 317 right there. Milk, a gallon of milk. I assume this is the uh the whole milk with the vitamin D and the love. Uh it was three dollars and seventy-four cents. And now? Uh four. Four bucks. Four twenty-one. Cereal. Wow, that's a lot. Four twenty. That's a lot. It's a lot for milk. You better really like that cereal. Entenmann's classic rich frosted donut, sixteen ounce. That's uh that that's a nutritious meal. A little chocolate donuts have been on my training table for years. Uh, <laughs> how how much? How they, Wait, they, they were they were four dollars and sixty three cents. That was for a dozen. That was for a dozen. And and how much now? They were four sixty three. They're five. 30 now. 5.21. All right. $5.21 right now. Campbell's soup, eight cans of Campbell's soup. Let's say you bought the eight pack. You got yourself soup for every day of the week and a little extra for a snack. Right? You got that and that was that was $10.66 for eight cans in 2021 and this year, it's got to be at least 11. 11.84. A whole buck? Buck 20. Yeah, all right. A I buck believe, 20 I for that. For the soup uh, right there. And then, uh, okay, uh, Spam. You like the Spam? I do. Yep. You went to Hawaii. You said, give yes. me the Spam. And you're like, hot damn. <laughs> it's the same in Hawaii as it is here. 12-ounce can, uh, $3.73 in 2021. And today? Uh, uh, $4.10. $4.02. $4.02. Yes. You know Every- how I, I was just, I added 10% to everything in my head. No, you did? I'm not very good at math. Wasn't a bad idea. Wasn't a bad idea. There's the inflationary costs right there. And by the way, this all has a caveat. If you can find it in your local supermarket. I'm Tony Katz. And this is Tony Katz Today. Like there was any doubt, your tax refund will be late this year. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. As the story goes, uh, you will probably be waiting on your refund. Uh, They want to let you know that there there are ways for it to get to you faster. Uh, It may take longer than 21 days. Taxpayers should not rely on getting a refund by a certain date. And of course, the the delays come from you having, uh, you know, issues with your refund. You, you didn't fill something out uh, properly. You tried to deduct listening to this show as a business expense. You know, there are things you can do and things you can't do, people. 
You you screwed up your taxes? So yeah, I mean, I already got the refund. I forgot that I got the twelve hundred dollars or fourteen hundred dollars from the government for twenty twenty one, and I put that I didn't, and the government was like, "Yeah, you did." So I, I mean, they corrected it. Okay, it was it was not malicious. So, but did that would that affect your overall income to changing no, the no, tax no. rate? It, it affected my refund total. Oh, it did. Well, yeah. Yeah, know. okay, I get your point. Yeah, but otherwise they were like, yeah, you're fine. Like, a lot of people make that mistake. So it wasn't a big deal. How many people didn't realize it was going to affect them? Like, taking the child tax credit uh, as that check for all those months changed what they were able to do at the end? Probably a lot. People must have been very shocked and very surprised. I, of course, believe that part of the reason will be they they don't have the people. And B, uh, they're going to decide that some of their people, they still have, you know, have to stay home uh, because of COVID. I assume there's going to be a lot of that kind of nonsense. The New York Times is updating their Twitter policy for reporters. They're letting their people know that, hey, maybe you don't have to tweet about everything. As a matter of fact, we don't require such a thing. Dean Baquette, he's the editor. Yeah, announcing this reset in the approach. You know, because he's been hearing about from staffers, right? Hearing all about how uh, there are challenges that Twitter presents. And um, people can rely too much on Twitter as a reporting and feedback tool. And then our feeds become echo chambers. No kidding. Is that right? You're only reporting on the things that you want to talk about or that people you like are talking about. And you don't pay any attention to what the rest of the country is thinking. Shocking, 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 shocking to hear. Ain't that something else? I can tell you're being sarcastic. I am being sarcastic. I believe that what they have determined is that people tweet dumb things. And tweeting dumb things can get you in dumb trouble. So let's not get into dumb trouble and embarrass the brand Keep yourself off the Twitter box. That's what I assume is happening right there. This is what I, I, I'm pretty sure is the story. There's also a latest poll out from Rasmus. And all right, I'm not a poll guy. I don't know what to believe. I don't know what not to believe. I don't know what to trust in, in, in polling. of voters think uh, Joe Biden's presidency has been bad for America. 42% think a second Trump presidency would be the course correction the nation needs. So it's not a question of whether or not I believe it or not. It's a question of that becomes the talking point. That's what it is. If you ask me, do I believe uh, if people have faith in Joe Biden and think he's doing a good job, the answer is no. Absolutely, positively not. There is simply no way that people think this or feel this. Zero. Do I think the number is 52%? No, I think the number is 146%. What are we, crazy? 52%? That's That number is outrageously low based on, of course... My my sample size of me, myself, and I. They don't have to follow politics. Did you just see the list we did of price increases? That's all they need to follow. They need to follow the fact that they can't afford vacation. 
They don't the following politics is absolutely uh, not the story. All they need to do is see that video of everybody fawning over Barack Obama at the White House and Joe Biden wandering around like he can't find his pudding cup because I'm willing to believe he was searching for his pudding cup and he couldn't find it. 52%. But, you know, it's it's a, it's a two for day for Pete Buttigieg. He's made the show twice a hand for Pete Buttigieg. Secretary of Transportation, former mayor of South Bend, and uh, really bad at both jobs. The, the, the Secretary of Transportation, after uh, failing on a radio show uh, with Charlemagne the God, who's a radio host out of New York, he was on The View, and he was talking to Anna Navarro, and Anna Navarro, oh, she was so passionate. Anna Navarro, so passionate, and talking about Chastin Buttigieg, and of course, his take on the Florida legislation, the parental rights and education bill, which of course is the don't say gay bill. Liars are going to lie. But I'm going to share it with you, and then I'll break it down. Your husband, Chastin, is a teacher. And he's been a vocal critic of what's going on in my state of Florida when the with the so-called don't say gay law now, um, which he says will kill kids. Do you agree? And, you know, as a, as a politician, because this this strikes you as, you know, your husband is a teacher. Yeah. You are uh, obviously LGBTQ yourself and you are now a parent. Yeah. So how do you feel about yeah, this? Yeah, he, he's right. And, and I think every law ought to be judged for the effect it's going to have on real people in real life. And I, I get the political reasons why they're doing this. By the way, some of those political reasons, is they don't have a plan on anything else, right? I mean, they, they, they don't have a plan on dealing with inflation or, or, or dealing with, <laughs> with gas prices. Now, I'm going to break this down bit by bit and piece by piece because there is not a moment whether it comes from Anna Navarro or comes from Pete Buttigieg that is in total madness, but I must give full disclosure. I did not listen to this clip prior. When you first heard it, I first heard it. How did I know what the clip was about? Because I knew what a summary of the clip was and I know the source. But I had not heard the clip in full until you did. The breakdown I'm about to do for you is off the top of my head. The breakdown I'm about to give you comes solely from exactly what we just heard and going through it again. Everything that is wrong with Anna Navarro, everything that is wrong with Pete Buttigieg, everything that is wrong with leftism and the acceptance of things said as somehow acceptable. This is why you need scrutiny. Let's start from the beginning. Your husband, Chastin, is a teacher. And he's been a vocal critic of what's going on in my state of Florida when the with the so-called don't say gay law now. It's not so-called. The don't say gay component is a lie told by liars because they are fearful of parents having control of their kids' education. They despise the idea, so they lied about what was in the legislation. And de facto calling it a don't say gay bill is to further a lie to keep you from having to deal with the reality of the situation. Anna Navarro is a liar and a fraud because she chooses to be. We continue. Now, um, which he says will kill kids. The legislation, the Parental Rights and Education Act is going to kill kids? 
How? How will it kill kids to not talk about gender identity or teach, I should say, because you can talk, you can't teach it. How does it kill kids not to teach gender identity in second grade? How does that work? Chastin Buttigieg is a liar and a fraud, and he is trying to engage in fear-mongering to push forth a radical agenda because he wants to teach sex, uh, gender identity to kids. He wants to sexualize second graders. In New Jersey, right now, they're working on legislation to allow this to happen. They are all about it. As the headline goes from Fox News, New Jersey to require second graders uh, learn about gender identity in the fall. A New Jersey lesson plan sample. Who would like to get a new metal roof installed for 99 cents? I hate it when these things autoplay. Here's the sample New Jersey lesson plan. You might feel like you're a boy even if you have body parts that some people might tell you are girl parts. You think it's okay for adults to say that to kids? Adults who are not their parents? I would think it's weird if if a parent said that. You think it's okay for an adult to say that to a kid who's not a parent? I say child abuse. When people say groomer, this is what they're talking about. And you can be angry with them all you want, but then you have this. This is a lesson plan? This is okay in New Jersey? No, it's not decent. Second graders don't need this. What is the desire? What is the, the, the fetish with wanting to teach second graders this? You don't know that kids should be protected, that they're allowed to be kids, that these questions should come from, uh, from them to their parents and not from a teacher? That's not your role. And if you think that's the role of teachers, well, then we have to put an end to public education because it has failed completely. Oh, and Chastin Buttigieg might be one twisted son of a gun. I have now seen the straight teachers be twisted and the gay teachers be twisted and the black teachers be twisted and the white teachers be twisted and the male teachers be twisted and the female teachers be twisted. The only thing that connects them all is that they are twisted. Because if you think that you should be teaching a second grader this, I don't know what else to say. Let's continue. Do you agree? And, you know, as a, as a politician, because this, this strikes you as, you know, your husband is a teacher. Okay. You are uh, obviously LGBTQ yourself. And- Stop. Pete Buttigieg is gay. He is not LGBTQ. He's not lesbian. He's not bi. He's not transgender. He's not questioning. This terminology talk to try and redefine people. Pete Buttigieg is sexually attracted to men. Okay, I've moved on with my day. I don't care. When he was running for office, I wouldn't allow anybody to tell jokes at his expense. I stopped people from calling in. I wouldn't allow the stuff on my social media feeds, although I'm sure things fell through the cracks. He's not lesbian and he's not trans. And it is wrong to say of people because they're gay, they agree with everything else. That somehow they're a part of this giant group as opposed to living their lives. But that's not what Anna Navarro affords. I, a conservative white male, 
I should be stricken down by the gods for that one. Why is it that I am more open and inclusive than Anna Navarro? Who says, if X, you belong to this group, and how dare you think you could belong to anything else? How dare you think you could think of anything else? Pete Buttigieg is gay. He is not LGBTQ. He's not! Because that is not something you are. That is an identifier we use to try and keep people from having greater conversations. Continue. And you are now a parent. Yeah. So, how do you feel about Yeah, he, he's right, and... He's not right. He's not right. And sometimes your spouse isn't right, Secretary Buttigieg. It takes a lot of strength to look your spouse right in the eye and say, you're not right. But that's how you have a good marriage. I can't believe I just became Pete Buttigieg's marriage counselor. But somebody has to do this. Somebody has to take on the tough work. It seems I'm the only guy willing to do it. Chastin, your partner, your husband, however you, you, you say the word, is wrong. The Parental Rights and Education Act in Florida is not going to get children killed. Of course it's not. It's a lie to say otherwise. And your, your partner, Chastin, is wrong and is lying and is fear-mongering. And you should say so. As a man, as in, in the public eye as you are, as a, a respected government official as you are, and as a rational actor. But maybe you're afraid of Chastin. Maybe you're afraid to look him in the eye. Maybe you're afraid to say, yeah, you're wrong. Maybe you're afraid of the blowback. Maybe you're afraid of the pushback. Maybe you're afraid of sleeping on the couch for all I know. Whatever the reasons are, none of them are acceptable. If you're not willing to look your spouse in the eye and say, I disagree, or that you're wrong and here's why, you are not honest with your spouse. And no relationship worth its salt can begin without honesty or continue without honesty. Pete. I don't know why I'm the only person honest with him. I don't, I don't quite, I don't quite uh, get it. But let's finish this up. And, and I think every law ought to be judged for the effect it's going to have on real people in real life. And I, I get the political reasons why they're doing this. Every law should be judged on the effect it's going to have on real people in real life. I'm not allowed to steal. The real effect it has on me in real life is that I don't have money. So I should be allowed to steal, right? Because if I can't steal, well, then I can't have money. But the law is judged on the idea that it affects me, who has the money It's being stolen, because you're not allowed to take something from somebody else. You're not allowed to take somebody else's property. They are entitled to their property. So what a childlike response to such a serious, serious statement. By the way, some of those political reasons, is they don't have a plan on anything else, right? I mean, they, they, they don't have a plan on dealing with inflation or, or, or dealing with, <laughs> with gas prices. You just agreed with your spouse that the Florida Parental Rights Act is going to get kids killed, and now you're talking about gas prices. Pete Buttigieg, it was a pleasure tearing you apart. I'm Tony Katz.